Just in time for the 4th of July, the Senate has finished and passed its 2020 defense authorization bill. Before its 86-8 vote, though, the bill took on a few tweaks, 93 amendments to be exact. Federal News Network Scott Mossioni joins me with highlights. And Scott, uh, there's some news on the audit front. That was a tweak. That was an amendment. And what's going on there? And how's the Senate dealing with it? As you know, the Defense Department is trying to financially audit itself to make sure that it's fiscally responsible to the American people. It's actually had its first audit in 2018. So at this point, the Congress does not have any way to hold the Defense Department accountable. And one of the ways it wants to do this is through Senator Bernie Sanders' amendment. And this amendment gives some it says that any agency within the defense department after 2024 that has not achieved an unqualified opinion on its full financial statements will be penalized and just for your reference an unqualified opinion is an opinion that a financial statements are fairly and appropriately presented and DOD has been the last holdout across the government for getting a clean financial audit and didn't last year they have like a thousand auditors running through all the statements and found when they added up all of their findings that they could not issue a clean statement. Isn't that roughly what happened? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was a $1 billion operation and it will continue to be a billion dollar operation because this is so humongous. Now, a few of the small agencies and working capital funds got clean audits, but bigger parts of the Defense Department, which are the ones that really count and hold real money, didn't really come anywhere near getting a clean audit. What this this uh, teeth does, the, the teeth that uh, Bernie Sanders is giving the Senate, is that any agency that fails to meet the standard of an unqualified opinion will be penalized by one half a percent of its budget or $100 million, whichever is smaller. It's, it's a small uh, penalization, but it's something to, to remember. And uh, those funds will actually be put into the Treasury for the purpose of uh, reducing the deficit. So at least it'll go to something uh, good. Now, the House Armed Services Committee has done its work, but the whole House has not voted on its NDAA. Is that provision in there in some form? That's not in there that, at, at this point, but they'll probably have to work this out somewhere in the uh, markup uh, where they finish, I'm sorry, the reconciliation between the two bills. So once they do that, uh, we'll see if this actually makes it in. So it's still a long way before these amendments actually make it to the final uh, resting place as, as law, right? But, uh, you know, these are things to keep an eye on because they do uh, have the possibility to affect your life and the way that you work within the Defense Department or, or things like that. Sure. All right. And the education savings plan, that's been a controversial issue for a couple of years. What is it and what version of it made it into the NDAA? Yeah, this is something that's been pushed by the Heritage Foundation for quite a while. And a few conservative senators put this together. What this does is it allows military families to save money, much like you have a a health savings plan. And they can save up to $6,000 a year to put their child into a private school, to pay for private tutoring, uh, to do online courses, all those types of things. And that money would roll over into the next year if you don't end up using it. And then if you end up graduating and let's say you have $3,000 in it or however much, you can put that toward your college tuition. So it's something that the senators hope will be a little bit of a perk for military families when they're trying to retain them. Right now, family life is a huge deal for uh, the military and military service members who say that, you know, we, we need a, a living life and something that we can actually, uh, you know, bring to our families and spend time with them and, and some of the benefits that they want to keep them in. These are pre-tax dollars. That's correct. These are pre-tax tax dollars. So, you know, it's, it's all for education. It's very similar to the health savings plan. Similar to the 521 plan, I think it's called, whatever that number is for people out in the economy that can save for college 
refers to the number in the tax code. And so this would be something similar. Why is it controversial? Well, it's controversial because some of the the opponents of it feel that this program would take money away from the public school districts that the military families are already in, and they want that money to go toward the schools so that it can continue push making the district better and, and doing all those sorts of things. Got it. All right. We're speaking with Federal News Network Scott Mossioni. What are some other provisions that affect the Defense Department operations in these 90-some amendments at the last minute in the Senate? Right. Well, uh, and, and just a caveat on that education savings plan, it's just a pilot program at this point. So uh, nothing nothing big yet. Uh, one of the other pilot programs that is coming out in, in this is from Senator Gary Peters of Michigan, and it establishes what's a cybersecurity organization partnership with the government. Now, this is something that's been happening a lot throughout the whole government itself where, you know, private industry, non-federal agencies can work with the Defense Department or with the government as a whole. What's really interesting about this provision is it allows information sharing regarding actual action done by the Defense Department. And if you look, think back to the time that the Defense Department attacked Iran's uh, nuclear facilities, uh, that got a little bit out of hand because that virus made it out into the world, right? Those were the glory days, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, that virus made it out into the world and ended up messing with a lot of people's computers. This would give those companies or, you know, any other entity an idea when this this uh, virus might come out so they can protect themselves and, and be careful of what the Defense Department's releasing. So that could be called the Preventing Collateral Cyber Damage right. Amendment. Exactly. So they won't have a repeat of that. Uh, one of the last provisions is something that we've been following closely, which is that military housing issue. If you remember, the military privatized military housing has had a lot of lead paint, mold, mice issues. Uh, Kamala Harris, who's running for president, she's a senator from California. I saw her on television. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, last week. Uh, she wants to have the chief housing officer in the military investigate all reports of reprisal against service members who report issues with their homes. Now, that's been an issue with some of the housing companies and also with the chain of command. But what's what makes this a really important uh, amendment is that if the reports of reprisal are substantiated, then DOD can consider the landlord in material breach of contract, which allows DOD to kind of get out of these uh, contracts with the landlord, some of which are 50 years old. They're not 50 years old. They, they are 50 years uh, long, the contracts. Something that really gives DOD a break uh, with when these landlords, when they're kind of uh, stuck over a barrel with this kind of thing. Yeah, that whole housing privatization initiative probably seemed like a good idea at the time. But I don't think they really thought of the long-term financial implications of a 50-year lease and the kinds of rents that DOD pays, frankly, or probably rent control level rents. And there's a lot of evidence rent control destroys housing because there's no incentive to invest in it. So they're trying to change all that. The Army Secretary Esper, who's now the acting defense secretary, he had told me before that, you know, the, the Defense Department really dropped the ball on checking in on these companies. They were supposed to have these five-year, 10-year marks where they were would reevaluate things, much like the Jedi contract supposed to going to be doing in the future. Uh, but DOD just never really did it. And uh, so that, that's one of the issues right now. Yeah, nothing like set and forget in a long-term contract. And finally, Scott, there's some news about Coast Guard funding. Give us the update there. Right. Well, a House panel has finished its authorization bill 
for the Coast Guard, and it gives it a $1.6 billion bump. Now, you have to remember that's only an authorization, not in appropriations. So if the Coast Guard gets this full authorization, it would get $12.9 billion in 2020. And this actually goes into 2021, too, which is a good good news for the Coast Guard. And that would give them $13.3 billion in 2021 something the Coast Guard's really been hoping for because uh, recently the Commandant of the Coast Guard said that they are at a readiness tipping point. They need more money for operations. This gives them that money. So it's operations money, but not necessarily picking up the pace of their acquisition of new ships. Yeah, the the acquisition stays fairly stagnant, uh, maybe a slight bump here and there, but most of it's in operations to, to restore readiness. Federal News Network, Scott Mossione, thanks so much. Thank you. Be sure to check out his coverage at federalnewsnetwork.com.